Bibles, you can stay seated for just a moment. Um, we'll be just a minute before we get there, but I'd like you to turn to the book of Isaiah chapter 46, and, and we'll get there in a moment. Um, now, I'm going to ask a question that I don't necessarily need to answer. It's kind of one of those rhetorical questions that helps lead me. And it's a dangerous question to ask in the state of Missouri. Uh, we, we tend to lean a, a certain direction in the state of Missouri and, and, and with the, the open carry laws and things like that. But there's a, a phrase that goes by, what are you carrying today? I'm not asking you what you're carrying today, but I'll tell you what I'm carrying today. Because on any given day... I carry a knife because my dad taught me and I assume his dad taught him that every man carries a knife, a pocket knife. So if you're a man, would you raise your hand? If you currently have a pocket knife, keep your hand up. Hey, that's pretty cool. I kind of like it. I've kind of figured. My dad was teaching one day. I was in there, and and he said every man carries a knife. And he reached in his pocket, and he didn't have a knife that day. He had left it at home. But we we carry knife. So so every given day, my everyday carry is a pocket knife. I carry a phone every day. Almost every day. Now, if I'm working, it's a little bit difficult. That's going to sweat. But I usually carry some sort of notebook. These are three by five cards. And sometimes I have a, a, a little journal, a little tiny moleskin that I carry. That's it. Let's see. Uh, I've got my wallet today. Now, a lot of times in Sundays, if you come and catch me any other Sunday, I'll probably tell you that everything I'm carrying is on my desk because when I preach, it starts to weigh me down. So I, but, but, but I have it. Also... Almost every day, almost every time, except when I'm really hard at work and I don't, I carry a fountain pen. The fountain pen I'm carrying now is very close to 100 years old. It was probably from the late 20s, early 30s. It's a Schaefer white dot that's been restored. It has the name of Henry L. Long engraved on it. Somebody, probably he died and no one wanted his fountain pen and they put it in an antique store and Somebody bought it. I don't know who Henry L. Long is, but that's what my fountain pen. I got a bunch of them. And so that's my everyday care. Oh, and, and my, my truck key. I have church keys. I don't know where they are. I left them in a door the other day, and my wife found them, but I haven't got them back. So, uh, but, but luckily, the things I really need to get a hold of, we have door pads and key codes. But that's my everyday carrying. What are you carrying? I could ask that a lot of different ways. Um, it'd be really dangerous. I could go to the ladies and ask you to empty out your purse. Where's Sister Singleton at? Is she here? It's Christine. You got any food in your purse today? Oh, man. Today it won't help, but any other day, if you go see Sister Singleton, there's a good chance she has a taco or a hamburger stashed in her purse. And you think I'm kidding. I'm not really kidding. Now, sometimes she does that just to prove a point because I think at one point in the old church I preached or was preaching a long time and, and, and she said she's going to be okay because she had food and now every once in a while she brings it and finds me and she says I got you can preach long today pastor I got my, my hamburger but if I asked you ladies you know what, what, what are you carrying man you'd empty out your purse and who knows what you'd find you'd kitchen sink and 
Probably everything your husband's asked you to carry too, because that's how it is as well, right? What are you carrying today? I remember my high school and junior high, it's getting to be a, a while ago. Um, we had lockers. I never got into the whole decorate your locker thing, as some people do. That never, but but for some reason, what 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 stands out in my mind is it was not cool to go to your locker in between class. And so, how many of you that are my age or so remember the old Jan Sport backpacks? So I had the Jan Sport backpack with all of my books for all six classes. And this is before they gave you a laptop and all your books were digital. These are when they were real books that you wrapped in brown paper and, and, and I carried them. And I promise you that book bag probably weighed 30 to 40 pounds. In fact, they did a study in my generation that said that kids' spines were curving to one side because it also was not cool to wear the book bag on both straps. Anybody in my generation understand where I'm coming from? You only wore one strap. If you wore two straps, you were a nerd or a dork or it just wasn't cool. So you wore one strap with 30 to 40 pounds because it was really cool. You wore two straps, Brian. Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> I can't go any further down that road. Stop. So it was cool in my generation to wear the book bag and walk like this. What are you carrying? Zeke, and, and all of my kids have done this except Zane now's half a foot taller than me and I could do it but it wouldn't be comfortable but Zeke will come up to me now and he'll say daddy hold me or he'll most of the time say daddy I hold you he hasn't quite got his possessive intense is right and pronouns right and so usually I'll throw a leg up over his shoulder and I say well fine hold me the other day Zeke and I were walking And he said, Daddy, slow down. My legs aren't as big as yours. (laughs) Then you go to some place, you know, go to Disney World or something like that. They can't go to Disney World anymore. They're all crazy and woke, so you can't go to Disney World. But we go to Disney World and we, we, uh, you know, now we we bring a stroller, not because Zeke needs a stroller, but to put everything that we know he's going to want us to carry in the stroller. What are you carrying? In Isaiah chapter 46... The first couple of verses, this question is asked. It says, Bell bows down and Nebo stoops. Their idols are on beasts and livestock. These things you carry are born as burdens on weary beasts. They stoop, they bow down together. They cannot save the burden, but they themselves go into captivity. A very quick historical understanding of this is that this is the time in which Israel has been in captivity with Babylon but Babylon this great nation is now under siege and will end up being defeated by Persia and a king by the name of Cyrus and so it is that God in his a little bit sarcastic intonation pokes fun at the idols Because Bel, who would have been the Babylonian sun god, and Nebo, his son, 
the God of wisdom and the God of writing and learning, those gods could not save Babylon from the destruction that Persia was bringing. In fact, it got so bad that Persia came and took Babylon into captivity and you find the people carrying their gods on their shoulders into captivity. And, 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 and so God's a little sarcastic and he's saying, those things you carry cannot help you. And then he goes on in verse 3, But listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, who have been born by me from your from before your birth, carried from the womb. Even to your old age, I am he. And to your gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made, I will bear, I will carry, and will save. Again, I've learned, and so you hear me say this in many of my sermons. If you want to know what my sermon is in one sentence, it's this. There's a lot of things that you and I carry we don't need to carry, but God can. There's things and burdens that you have that you walked into this place looking like I did in junior high, walking like this under the staggering load of life and all of its circumstances. But I would ask you the same question that God has asked them. Why are you carrying something I'm big enough to carry? So it is that we look at that. It it, it reminds us of God's promise. I will carry you. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, most of you would be able to quote it. Let us lay aside every weight and sin that doth so easily beset us. It tells me that there are things we carry we ought not to. It's Psalms chapter 55 and verse 22 where it says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. Or Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Come unto me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Go down a few places and it will say, Take my yoke upon you. Fast forward a little bit more and it will say, For my yoke is easy. You ever carried something heavy with other people? Someone says, hey, I need to move. Will you come help me move? The first question you ask is this. Are there stairs involved? And do you have a piano? (laughs) The first one I may can handle. The second, not a chance. Put them together and I'm sick that day. (laughs) But you ever had three or four or five guys carry the piano? And you act and it's like you're not carrying anything. And you're one. Pick that side. When you put something in a yoke, there's usually multiple animals connected to that yoke. And if you're yoked, and I've preached this, if you're yoked with Jesus, understand he's really the one carrying it. You're just looking pretty while it goes. Can I tell you today, if you'll get yoked up with Jesus, those things that you've been carrying, those weights and sins that doth so easily beset you will suddenly feel like you're carrying nothing. If you're connected to him, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Or Isaiah 41.10 I am with you. I will uphold you or I will carry you with my righteous right hand. Let me get real, just just simple and straight. Here are some things you've been carrying. You've been carrying a lot of anxieties. 
The word anxiety a lot of times is translated in our Bibles as cares. We worry about so much that even when God's word promises that he will be with us, he'll never leave us, he'll not forsake us, and consider the lilies, how they toil not, they don't spin, and all of that, and how much more value are you than a flower or a sparrow? But still, we worry. Are you anxious about the necessities? I mean, now, if you're anxious about your Lamborghini or you're anxious about your 8,000-square-foot home, I don't know that God really cares about that. But when you go to the, 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 the pump and you fill up your car and it costs you a whole lot more and you didn't budget for that, I, I get a little worried about that. If you've got a young baby and you start kind of looking and baby formula is a little short right now, it seems, it, it makes you worry about the anxieties. But Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Don't be anxious about anything. Let your requests be known by God. And I would interject right there. He hears your request. It was David that said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Can I give you a pastoral, prophetic word? I don't care if gas gets to $9 a gallon. I don't care if the shelves are as bare. I could point you to a lot of countries that have gone through far worse than we've gone through. But if you are in his presence, if you are letting him carry you, you do not have to let those anxieties eat you alive. He will sustain you. Are you worried about your worth? Do you get up in the morning and look at yourself in the mirror and wonder, do you really matter? Wonder in the great scheme of things, in the cosmos of this universe, do you matter? I would take you to Isaiah 55, 11, where it says God's word will not return empty and what God purposes will succeed. I would remind you what he said to Jeremiah, before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. Before you were conceived, I knew you. Before you were birthed I knew you and that is not just a promise for Jeremiah for the Bible says all are made in the image of God Listen to me very carefully. God does not make mistakes. There has not been one person born that God says, well, that was a mistake. Well, I didn't want him or her born. No, every child that comes out of the womb, regardless of if the mom or dad wants him, regardless of if this world puts any worth on them, you belong to God. You were made in his image. And what God has formed, what God has planned, he has a purpose. There are no appendixes in the body of Christ. There are no useless organs in the body of Christ. Every one of you has a worth. There's things you carry you ought not carry. You ought to let God carry them. Are you worried about your weakness? I will remind you of the words of the Paul. When he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9, the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. For his power, God says, is made perfect in weakness. Go a few verses or a few lines and it would say, in my weakness I'm made 
strong. Any of you ever cook with yeast? Three people. All right, let's let's let me help you out. How many of you go buy the rolls that are frozen that already have yeast in them? Okay, that's a little bit better. So, Whew. yeast needs certain parameters in order to grow well. Yeast doesn't grow good in the refrigerator, but you can take that 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 dough with the yeast in it, and you can put it on your your countertop, and in the warmth of just the ambient temperature, it will begin to expand. You can can stick it in an oven and turn the oven on low where it's a little bit hotter than the ambient temperature and watch it really expand. Because it needs certain parameters. Can I tell you, if you want the power of God in your life, the greatest parameter that God can work is when you are willing to say, I am weak, but thou art strong. When you put yourself and quit carrying your weakness and quit carrying your problems and quit carrying all of those anxieties and you place it in the hands of God, he steps back and he says, now are you ready? Watch what I can do with that. Are you anxious about decisions? Are there thoughts? Is there something that you are having to think about, a decision you have to make? Again, if your decision is whether you're going to eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or a peanut butter and honey sandwich, I don't know that God really cares about that. But there are decisions in our life that cause us anxiety. But His Word says this, In Psalms chapter 32 and verse 8, He will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. He will counsel you with His eye upon you. Now, I know we got to be really careful. We don't just take one verse and hang all of our, our theology on that, but that's a pretty good verse to hang it on. When I don't know what to do, I've got a God that says, I love you so much, I will counsel you, I will instruct you, and I will lead you, and I will keep my eye on you so you take the right steps. I'm talking about some things you don't need to carry anymore. I would take you to the book of Romans uh, in chapter 8. Are you anxious about adversaries and opponents? Are there some things in your life where it feels like you are at a battle? But I would remind you what Paul wrote, the words of Almighty God. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I would tell you that he is interceding for you. Verse uh, number 34. And who can separate you from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? No. Shall distress? Not a chance. Shall persecution? Never. Shall famine or nakedness or sword or danger? As it's written, we may be killed all the day long. We may be regarded as sheep to the slaughter. But in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. There's nothing, there's no one, there's not a thing that can ever change my mind. Nor death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things in the future, nor things to come, shall, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else will ever separate me from 
from the love of Christ, there's some things I don't have to carry anymore. Are you worried about affliction? Is there things that are coming up against you? I would remind you of Psalms 34, 19. Many are the afflictions, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. I skipped a word on purpose. It says many are the afflictions of the righteous. If you want to live a cold, hard, dead, awful sinner, then don't ask God to help you out of your afflictions. But if you have given your life to him, if you've walked in an altar somewhere and surrendered your life to him, then understand this verse is the truth. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Our Psalms 46.1, the Lord, our God, is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Are you anxious? Are you worried that you're not going to make it? I'm not talking about death yet. Are you worried if you're going to really be saved and stay saved and persevere? I'd remind you what the Lord told Paul, Philippians 1.6. He said, I'm sure of this. That he who begun a great work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I can't look at all of you. I'll be cross-eyed. But I want you all to look at me. If you've repented of your sins... If you've been baptized in that name above every name, Jesus Christ, if he's filled you with his spirit, he's not about to go through all that work and then give up on you halfway through the process. He will complete the work. I'm here today to tell you Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to him. I'm here today to help you understand. Quit carrying this fear that you're not going to make it. Jesus says I'm going to do everything I can do. I will complete the work. Are you anxious? Now, now I, I say this. I was, I was writing this, and at first it seems a little, I don't know. I don't, I don't want you to take this as, as being a joke. I've never been more serious about something I'm going to preach in right now. Are you worried about growing old? Now, now it is a little funny. We laugh a little bit, but, but I'm, I'm a pastor. A shepherd who feels the hurts and feels the, the concerns of a multi-generation congregation. But can I remind you, Isaiah 46.4, even to your old age I am he and to your gray hairs I will carry you if you'll let me give you Brandon Buford's version of Isaiah 46 he said when you were born from the womb I'll carry you to the tomb I'll carry you I want you to know right now you may not be able to run the way you used to run and your strength may be getting weak and your mind may be getting clouded and those gray hairs may be aggravating but can I tell some saint of God here he still hears your cry 
He knows every time that doctor gives you a bad report. He understands every time you put your dentures in and your bifocals on and you can't walk the way you used to walk. Somebody listen to me. He cares about you. He didn't forget you on the backside of some church. He knows who you are. And even then I would ask, are you anxious about death? For the Bible says in Romans chapter 14 and verse 7, none of us live to ourselves, and none of us die to ourselves. If we live, it's to the Lord. And if we die, it's to the Lord. Whether we live or die, it's to the Lord. And 2 Corinthians 5, 8 says if we're absent of the body, we're present with Christ. I'm not suggesting that any of you are on your death's door. I'm not suggesting that any of you are about to die. But I would like to just let you understand that is not something a believer needs to be anxious about. He will carry you. Those things that I read, I believe, and I could have added to the list, but those are things I believe if I took a poll of this congregation, you would find that that covers a lot of things and anxieties that you are carrying, but that is something you don't need to carry any longer. You need to let some of those things go. And then I would ask, are you carrying any sin? Are you carrying any shame? Are you carrying any guilt? Some of you are carrying around that sin and that shame. The weight of your sins and trespasses, it's overwhelming you. I think of Judas after he came in collusion with the, the, the rulers of, of the Jewish community. And then he sold Jesus. He received 30 pieces of silver, planted a traitor's kiss. And then Jesus is taken. And I feel like there's a little bit of historical understanding that Judas kind of watched that play out. I don't think Judas really wanted Jesus to die. I, I can't make a doctrine of this, but I, I don't think Judas really wanted Jesus to die. I think Judas wanted to get Jesus to rise up and make a kingdom. That if, that Jesus, you're just not doing it right, and if I can get you in a bad spot, you'll snap your fingers and all the host of angels will come down and the kingdom of heaven will be on earth and maybe I'll be a part of that. And But as it didn't play out and Jesus is looking more and more like his end is going to be a death penalty. That guilt and that shame begins to work on Judas. And he carried it. And he never escaped it. Because he took his life because of the guilt and shame. Peter was the same way. Peter who denied the Lord three times not just deny it, but boldface lie and probably come a little close to blasphemy. And Peter's weeping and sobbing and the guilt and the shame is eating him up. I think of David who sinned with Bathsheba and there's a whole litany of things that happen in that story. 
And I realize the timing may not be as perfect as I'm alluding to. I understand that. At some point, the prophet Nathan came and told the story, the parable of the poor man with one lamb, the rich man stealing. I I get all that, but it was that moment where that that prophet Nathan pointed his bony bony finger and said, you are that man. I, I get all of that, but in my mind, for nine months, David carries that guilt and that shame. Hoping no one notices Bathsheba's growing womb. He could not joy in the kicks of that child because of the pain and the guilt and the agony. And some of you are carrying that same weight. You came into church today not really wanting to, but something compelled you to, but the condemnation of Satan begins to pound upon you. You'll never be clean. You'll never be free. You used to be saved and then you left God and God doesn't want you back. And all of those condemning thoughts are rolling in your mind right now. But that's something you don't need to carry. Because I would take you to Hebrews chapter 53 and I would remind you of verses 1 through 7. I can't find it fast enough. Sister Jeannie, put it up on the screen please. It it begins to say in Hebrews chapter 53 and verse 1, it's that place where it says he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. And if you keep going, verse 4 and verse 6 says he carried our grief and he carried our sorrows and he carried our iniquities. Why are you carrying your sin when Jesus did it for you? I would take you to Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 28. Christ also having been offered once to bear the sins of many. Or 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24. That he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. Why are you carrying a weight you don't have to carry? I I can't explain it. There's not enough theological words and training for me to adequately describe it. But the truth is this. When Jesus hung on that cross, he was not just carrying the sins of everybody up to that point, but he bore the sins as far into the future as God will allow time to exist. He bore your sin. God forbid you sin tomorrow. But know this. God already carried that sin to the cross. Here's the thing. If he's carrying it, why are you still carrying it? And the only way for you to not carry that sin any longer, it's the same thing about all of the anxieties. You've got to give it to him. You've got to give it to Him. There's got to be a moment where you say, Lord, I can't deal with this any longer, but I'm your child. I give them to you. I can't handle this sin any longer, Lord. I give it to you. You give your sin to Him in the act of repentance. When you're willing to let go of your sin, 
when you're willing to repent of your sin, when you're willing to cast those cares at the altar, when you're willing, as you're going to see little case and do, not little, but sorry about that case, when you're going to see case and do here in just a moment in that baptism tank, he's going to leave those sins in that baptismal tank. And Kaysen, when you walk down those stairs after that, how old are you again? Seven. Every sin you've committed is going to be left in that water, covered by the blood. Come on, I'm talking to somebody right here. You're still carrying some of those sins, but today is a day you can repent. And today's the day. I've got more baptismal robes. We got fresh towels, and there the water's ready. If you want to be baptized, you could leave those sins, that shame and that condemnation and that guilt. For the Bible says in Romans, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And so as you stand with me today, as I come to a conclusion. I give you one of the greatest trades of all time. It's found in the book of Isaiah chapter 61. The Lord himself walked into the tabernacle, the synagogue, and unrolled that scroll. And he he read these words from Isaiah 61. And at the end he said, today this is fulfilled in you. Here's what he said. Remember, if you have a Bible, right there at, at, at Psalms, or I'm sorry, right there at Isaiah 61, you ought to just write in big, bold letters, this is Jesus. Let the Old Testament speak. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor to send me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the year of God's favor, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a spirit of weakness or a faint spirit. What a trade. Are you mourning today? You don't have to carry that any longer. You can give it to him and he'll give you joy. Are you poor in spirit? He can give you the good news. Are you broken hearted? Give it to him and he'll bind it up. Are you held captive by something? He can get, have that. You can give it to him and he'll give you liberty instead. This is the trade. I ask you today, once again, in the presence of God at this moment where we switch from the preaching to the response. What are you carrying? I've given you verse after verse and understanding after understanding. But the thing is, you've got to be willing to give it to Him. There's some things you don't have to worry about. There's some things you don't have to be anxious about. Cast your cares on the Lord, for He cares for you. I open these altars right here in front. It's always a good moment to just kind of take a step out of where you are and make a move. It just it, it, I promise you, I know it's just a simple act of walking, but it's a it mirrors what's happening on the inside spiritually. You're, you're saying, Lord, I'm making a move to you. 
If you can't make that move, I hallow this entire auditorium. I believe God can move from the front to the back. And I want to encourage you right now to begin to give him some things you've been carrying for a long time. I'm putting the mic down. I don't know how much more I'll say today, but would you come and would you respond in the name of Jesus?